Hello and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I'm delighted that you have reserved this hour to spend with me. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I come to you live every week at 4 o'clock from KKNW in Seattle, Washington. Eric, the sound producer, creates this podcast so you can listen to it anytime from Spotify or SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts or Podcast One, whatever you choose to use. But we are also here live at 4 o'clock Pacific Time, and I just love it. I love it that we have live listeners that call in and write in and ask about your coaching questions so that you can author your life. Not just your book, your blog, or your brand, but also author your life. Take authority for your life and make it the one that you want to live. Today we will be doing just that. We're going to talk about the real secret to your progress might not be what you're thinking about just yet. I might have a few surprises for you. And just to let you know, I always love to get your calls and to take your messages, which I don't have any yet. So if you decide to send one in, you just might be first. You can go over to Facebook Messenger and just send me a little note. My account is Debbie Handrich, and it's D-E-B-B-Y, Debbie Handrich, and last name is just like it sounds, H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H, Debbie Handrich. All right, so we'll be taking your messages. You can also call in. At 1-888-298-5569. That's 1-888-298-5569. Just a reminder, we're talking about making progress in anything you are authoring. Whether it's your book, your blog, your brand, your values. Maybe, I don't know, it could be just about anything, but I would love to brainstorm with you and help you out. I've got about four points here that I'm going to go over in our next hour together. And I also have some, some stories to share with you from my life and also from what I, I got a little inspiration when I was watching this story take place on YouTube that I want to tell you a little bit about. If you've been thinking that it's your turn to get a little more active with your writing life, I do have two programs on offer that I'd love to tell you about. One just helps that first, second, or third time author who's had a book on their mind, um, get that book really from the mind and to the printed page. I think that's the hardest part. You know, we can walk around with our book ideas for 
weeks, months, years, dare I say decades. <laughs> and how do we get it from our mind into print? How do we do that? Believe it or not, that part doesn't have to take nearly as much time because we've been thinking about it so long. And I love to help people get that first draft out onto the page. Because at that point, you have all kinds of choices. You can go straight to an editor. You can self-publish. You can get in the queue with an agent. You can move, move on to a higher-end publisher. All kinds of ideas. But if you don't have anything written down... You just have to rely on your, your great memory to help you out and use that content when needed. I think it's better when you start to get it down on paper. So I can help you with that. I have a 90-day program. I also have a new mastermind that I'm very excited about. It's going to be starting in January, and I am taking people now through a very quick and simple registration process. Again, you can just head on over to Messenger on Facebook, or you can write to me at uh, my email, debbie at coachdebbie.com. So that's debbie, D-E-B-B-Y, at coachdebbie.com. You can send me a little note that says, I'm curious about your programs. And I will send you information. This one, starting in January, it is a mastermind that will help you become the author of your life. And really, once you have these skills down, you can feel confident writing anything. You, you don't limit yourself anymore thinking, well, I've written an article before, but I don't think I can write an ebook. Or maybe you think I've written an ebook before, but certainly wasn't a 250 page full length book. You stop telling yourself these false stories and you put into action what I'm going to teach you so that you know you can express yourself and write anything. It's not to say you won't wake up on some days and Second-guess yourself, but you will have everything in place you need to have in place so you can take on an author's life. And I would love for you to join me. Like I said, just head over to Facebook Messenger or send me an email, and we will get going. The other program, the 90-day book writing program, that goes on all throughout the year now. So um, that, again, is something you can inquire about, and I will send information right to you. Mm. Got a little drink of water there. Let's talk about the real secret to progress. I feel like many people think it lives within your strategies, your, your deep strategies that maybe you learned in your creative writing classes or maybe you learned them in uh, maybe a college preparatory class. Maybe you even learned it in the military 
Maybe you learned it living at home with your parents. What is the secret to my progress? How do I move along? Something that I've come to discover is that we can have all kinds of strategies in place, but if we don't have a real relationship with our own expressive voice, if we're not accustomed to just listening to what it is we want to express, more often than not, we're going to get ourselves stuck. I have made so many jokes over time, especially when I haven't been doing an active writing practice. I've made so many jokes about how insane we can be as writers. And it's always my way of trying to outsource my anxiety <laughs> around writing instead of really having a relationship with the fact that I love to express, that I love to know I'm welcomed in a circle of community. And I think most people enjoy that. They don't want to be the person that has to do so much note-taking and and cataloging and such before they feel confident speaking. Many of us just want to be welcomed into a circle, feel the good vibration going on, and start to participate right away. So how do we do this? One person that has been a huge influencer, especially when I was a, a brand new college writing teacher, I would often assign her book. Her name's Natalie Goldberg, and her book was called Writing Down the Bones. Writing Down the Bones, Natalie Goldberg. Most writers have heard or used this book deeply. <laughs> and 20 years ago, when I was standing in front of my first group of students as an associate professor, I brought this book to class as an elective book. And soon after that, I started to require this book. Here's just one tiny quote from this book that truly has been life-changing for me around the topic of progress. Natalie Goldberg says this in her book, Writing Down the Bones. Wait until you are hungry to say something. Wait until you are hungry to say something. This is just really a pithy little quote, a lot being said in just a few words here. Think about this notion of hunger. What happens when we write and we don't really have an appetite for writing? Well, we just, we just reach for any old topic or we just slam out any old idea. But when you're hungry to write, when you're hungry to express yourself, you reach into this place in you that is always there, but you might not always be connected to it. And it's that place where you really find meaning. 
It's the place where you and your values line up. What I find is if I go to my desk when I'm hungry to write, using Natalie Goldberg's term here, I find that whatever it is I want to say comes out on paper without much effort from me. It's just there. It's kind of like when you are hungry, literally hungry, and you go to a well-stocked pantry or a well-stocked refrigerator, you don't have to stand there for half an hour deciding what you might eat. Now, if you barely have a crumb left, that's a whole different story. But one that is hungry to write is filled with an idea. So the same thing, if your fridge is well stocked, you don't have to think long about what it is you want to eat. You see it, you take it out, you eat. And guess what? If you want to make real progress with your writing, I want to encourage you to adopt this when you go to your desk. Go to your desk. Or as Natalie Goldberg would say, wait until you are hungry to say something. Go to your desk when you know, I want to say this. When it's right on the tip of your tongue, when you have a hungry ambition to get it from your head and onto the page, that's going to start to move you forward. Now, the antithesis of this is when you feel like, oh, it's 11 o'clock in the morning and I still haven't written a word. I guess I'll trudge upstairs and get to my desk and start writing. Yeah, I don't, I don't recommend that. Another thing that would be the opposite here is if you've just been put on pressure by a friend or a family member that knows that you like to write daily and they say something so how how's your writing going have you been creating material you like lately Ooh, now there's a charge there what if you don't like what you've been creating lately it's not gonna be like you go running to your desk that moment <laughs> right in fact you might go running outside or running anywhere but your desk these are, these are the places where we have to ask ourselves, am I really hungry to write? Do I have something on my mind that I really want to share, that I really want to move to the page, from my mind to the page? Because if you do, you're going to find it really doesn't take that much. It's just like going to the fridge and seeing right away when you open it up, there's three things you love to eat. You make a decision, you grab one, you go sit on the couch and you enjoy. It's like that, really. The secret to progress is in working with it instead of working against it. And that's the hint for our second tip. We're going to get right to that as soon as we come back from our very first break, I just want you to know I don't have any questions yet. Send them on in and we will be right back. 
Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. Their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. How do you define strength? Is it physical? Or is it mental? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's whatever empowers a person to dig deeper, fight harder, and overcome obstacles that once seemed insurmountable. Discover how much stronger and more confident your children can be. Encourage them to participate in a sport when they go to high school. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, I'm Mark Saltzman, host of Tech It Out, new on 1150 AM KKNW. Tech It Out keeps you informed on the latest in consumer technology, like gadgets and gear, interactive entertainment, computers and accessories, automotive tech, and the future. It's the show that breaks down geek speak into street speak, so you're never in over your head when it comes to what's hot and what's not. It's Tech It Out, and it's new right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Don't miss Tech It Out, Mondays at 12. 12 a.m. here on KKNW. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. And welcome back. You are listening to Story You Talk Radio, and I'm your host, Coach Debbie. I come to you live every Thursday at 4 o'clock. We're talking today about the secret to your progress. And we were just talking about that hunger that kind of takes over sometimes. And it, it brings us straight to our desk and helps us get involved in our content. I want to tell you about a, a story I heard today in a mastermind group that, that I am a student in. And Michael Neal was talking about this, and it, it fascinated me. I've heard it before, but I forgot about it, and, and I experienced it like a brand new thing today. He was sharing that his father had worked uh, with NASA and, and his role there, and one of the factoids, he called it, one of the factoids he learned from his father is that it takes 90% of rocket fuel to get a rocket into the air. Now, I just sat there with my jaw hanging open going, 90%. It takes 90% of rocket fuel to get a rocket into the air. So this amount of fuel is used up in about the first 30 seconds. And then the rest of the fuel, are you ready? Gets them to the moon. <laughs> okay, so so that's a lot for me as a, a non-scientific person to wrap my head around, even though it was said in very clear language. And then I started to think about writing. And I started to think about the notion that 
when you are in the early stages of claiming, I think I have a book I want to write. I think I have a topic I want to work on. I think I, I know exactly who I want in the book. Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, I think I could write this book. I, I, I think this could be the year to get storing all that stuff right there. Honestly, that, that is a huge part of the energy that you need to write your book is to change it from, I think to, I've decided I will. That just takes up so much energy. Who's going to be in this book? Who's not going to be in this book? What's going to be in the middle of the book? What will I save till the end of the book? All that stuff that your mind just chews on. And, and honestly, it, it starts to feel like you're gnawing away at your own muscle mass when you're not really, but it kind of feels that way. You feel the, the body aches and pains. And what happens is many people don't begin. They don't begin because the energy and the drive it takes in the early stages, well, it can just feel like way too much. And most of us don't believe that once we get off the ground with our book, as opposed to off the ground with your rocket ship, that you're not going to need all that startup energy to keep you going. So what I find is people make this mistake. Instead of really getting into their real progress, they have nightmares <laughs> about what it took for them to get going in chapter one and two. And somewhere along chapter three and four, they fail to listen to Natalie Goldberg's advice to wait till you're hungry and then do the writing. Instead, they go back to this liftoff energy they need and they find they don't have it. Why? Well, because 90% of it was used in that very beginning process of deciding, could this really be a book? Am I going to work with a coach? Will I get involved in a class? Who is going to show up in my book? How am I going to structure that book? Do I have a table of contents for this book? Do I need to think about my editor right now for this book? All that energy that most of us expel in the early part, it's needed in the early part, but it's not needed through the entire phase of your book. I will warn you, that once you commit to writing the first draft of your book, you're going to find that you put your pen down, you look back, you say to yourself, I actually did this. I actually wrote a first draft. But you're going to find right there and then that early stage of panic can come back and go, now I've got to edit it. Oh boy. <laughs> and, and you feel like you're trying to get a rocket ship off the ground again. Well, you kind of are, 
But editing is its own little beast. It really is. Writing your book and drafting it out is one thing. Editing is a whole nother phase. So you will feel that overwhelm again. You will find yourself in deep questions around publishing or whatever it is you want to do with that book. But I promise you, if what you want to do is move your book from your mind down to the printed page, one of the reasons I encourage students to kind of cap that off at 90 days is because I'm sort of thinking about the rocket fuel. I'm thinking about the fact that it's going to take a lot to lift off. But quickly, if you follow the procedures and the ideas I put in place and the support that I offer, quickly you're going to realize that it's your hunger and your drive for the story that takes you to almost a, a place of dictation where you're just putting the book down on paper because it's been with you for some time. Now, I know in theory that's a hard thing to bite off. It really, really takes saying yes to a program and being in it and going with it for just a bit to find out that that's how it works. I can tell you, too, as we continue to talk about the secret to progress, that anytime I go for a nice walk up and down the street I live on, I'll probably run into at least 10 joggers. And it always shocks me when a jogger passes me by that has a steady pace, who is not panting from a deathly exhaustion, who is, is just breathing with the same ease that I am as I walk, who is looking around and noticing his or her surroundings. And here's the last thing, who seems to be really enjoying jogging. Because when I think about jogging, you know, I, I weigh it on the same scale as, hmm, would I enjoy going and uh, having a blood transfusion today or going on a jog? You know, to me, they're, they're kind of in the same world. I don't want to have anything to do with either one of them. Now, have I given either of them an honest chance? No, not one bit. But I'm... I'm surprised when a jogger isn't just panting. And it's because they know so much about how to get into their rhythm and work with jogging. Let's not forget that they probably like to run. I'm not saying they like to run every day, but they probably have a propensity to run that I don't naturally feel. At the same time, they've also, in their hunger to be a jogger, they have come to relate to their lung capacity and how it all works. I know this much. 
if I run, I'll get about seven houses away from my house and I'm panting and thinking I'm going to die. That's not their experience. I can see people coming down the street, jogging, smiling. They look like they're having a really good time with it. They don't look like they're using up all their rocket fuel in that moment. In fact, they look a little effortless. It's really not fair. And yet, I am sure it's because they know their process. And they probably, just like the writer who's not hungry and who has stepped away from her desk, they probably know if they're absolutely exhausted, it's not a good time for a run. It won't work. It's not going to be fruitful. They will not have progress. So part of developing a real relationship with your progress and understanding the secrets is to getting into that, that cycle. It's, it's in knowing where is the resistance. How much energy do I need to get something up and going? Probably a lot. But notice... You don't need that much energy day in and day out to keep going. My, my third point uh, dovetails this a little bit, but I'm going to save it for a moment. And I really want to take this question here from Kimberly. Kimberly writes in and says, Thank you for your topic today. Wow, what an interesting spin on how we use our energy effectively. I was raised with this notion of progress versus perfection. And it works for me because I tend to be more of the perfectionist and people pleaser type of girl. Uh, Kimberly, we've got a couple typos here, so I don't know what this next sentence says. I'm going to skip down. But even sometimes when I'm procrastinating, I still think I make progress in my head. I have this routine where the dog and I go out for a walk if I don't know what to do next. Somehow it calms me down. But I don't really know how to grow that energy. How can I make this something that is part of my writing process? Okay. Kimberly, what I think you're talking about here is, is it, it dovetail with what I was just saying, which is know where your resistance is. Sounds like you do. Sounds like you know that when you are resisting your writing, it's a great time to go on a walk with a dog. I'm, I'm all in favor of that. But I, I want to open up my third point here, which is how is it that we get to the phase of autopilot? Really, this is, this is that thing that we use in a repetitive manner and... It, it's often something that has a deep tie to you. So 
That's why I wanted to bring your question in here. You are probably deeply and madly in love with your dog. <laughs> and I think it's great that when you're stuck as a writer, you've come to know you can go and walk the dog and feel some relief. But what if, what if you thought of doggy walks as sort of a way that you get yourself trained to be with your, your best writing? What I mean by this is when you're out with your dog, I, I bet you're not taking on all the worries of the world because dogs by nature, they, they just have this way of calming us down. They bring us back to the present moment. If they're not in a fight with the neighbor's dog and they're just doing what they know how to do best, you know, go for a nice walk, they're, they're bringing us back to our own center point. Well, when we're having a hard time writing, it's because we've gotten away from that center point. So for you, Kim, writing about, I'm sorry, uh, not writing, but walking about with your dog might be one of the best ways to make progress because doggy is bringing you back to your center. It's, it's helping you develop what I'm calling my third point here, developing your own autopilot so that when you get stuck, you think, you know, might be a great time to walk the dog because walking the dog makes me present and being present gets my hunger for writing going again and I'm back where I belong. For me, that autopilot running on more of my autopilot energy as opposed to running up against all my resistance. That often happens when I just put everything down and I go in the kitchen and I cook. Because when I cook, I just pay attention to what I'm doing. I pay attention to how things smell. I pay attention to the idea that I know that that salmon and dill are fabulous together. What's a new element that I might add to this to make it even tastier? The other night I added coconut amino acids. Have you ever tried that? Coconut amino acids to your, um, to your salmon and dill? It's wonderful. I just got in the kitchen and I got present. And after that, I was right back at my desk doing what I needed to do because I was centered again. Or in other words, I was back to that autopilot feeling of I'm ready to write. So it is very, very important that we have some of those systems in place because all writers... I was reminded of this again in my mastermind today. Robert Holden, one of the coaches and definitely one of my writing coaches, said, you know, we can get lost in, uh, I can't remember the word, I want to say the definity, uh, but it seemed like he was talking about the massiveness 
of taking on a project that we can get lost in it and feeling like we we need to make a definitive statement about whatever it is we're writing about. I mean, nothing can send me out of my focus more than that. But at the same time, one of the things that brings me back is being creative. Just like you, Kim, going on a walk with a dog makes you feel centered again. Going to the kitchen and making a tasty little meal makes me feel centered again. And that's the autopiloting that we want to come back to. The more we know what centers us, the more we are in that autopilot energy when we go to our writing and we just accept that those words are going to come to us. Sounds massive when you don't have an autopilot structure going on, but it just is what it is when you do. And I have found for me, it takes about, oh, 20 times (laughs) of remembering to do this before that autopilot structure sort of clicks on. I have some more points for you, and I want to welcome any questions you have. Please feel free to send them to my Facebook Messenger page or to send them to AskCoachDebbie at gmail.com, AskCoachDebbie at gmail.com, and Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. We're going to take our final break here. But when we come back, more about the secrets to your progress. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Hello, I'm Eldon Taylor. Are you interested in leading-edge, provocative news? Are you fascinated by subjects like free will, mind control, psi discoveries, brainwashing, human behavior, controlled media, and so forth. If you are, you won't want to miss a single episode of Provocative Enlightenment. Be sure to join my partner Ravindra and I for an hour of captivating inquiry with today's leading experts. Every Monday at 12 noon, right here on KKNW. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I hoped he'd get help. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. Today we're really looking at that secret to progress. We 
we think about the notion that, that Kimberly brought up that we have to give up our procrastination or our perfectionism or our people-pleasing to get to progress. A lot of P's in that. <laughs> but what, what I also want to share is it's not as much around getting over something but I think it's more about accepting what's going on. When we're not making progress, it's because we've lost that centering. I, I found that quote I, I wanted to take from, from Robert Holden today when he said, sometimes I put myself under such pressure when I want to be definitive. You know, can you just feel in that statement how... Any of us, when we want to feel definitive, we don't necessarily feel centered. We feel like we have to, to postulate from some place. We, we don't feel our progress moving through us. If you've ever read the book Atomic Habits by, Atomic Habits by James Clear, one of the things I love that he says is the feeling of progress is one of the best feelings of all. This is true even when the progress is small. And it really is. Think about the times when you made just a little leap and you went, ooh, I kind of like this. This is good. Hey, check this out. It didn't have to be something of, of monumental proportion. It could just be you know, on Monday, I tried to get my blog post out. On Tuesday, I tried again. But on Wednesday, the thoughts were really there. I sat down, I wrote it, I edited it, and I published it. And by the end of the day, seven people were commenting on it. Hey, hey, that's progress. That's progress. It's not a book published by Simon & Schuster. It's progress. We don't have to have these monumental things as our yardstick of really, really measuring that we have moved forward. One of the, one of the things that comes to my mind when I look back at how resistant I've been at times to make progress is I like to think about when, when I've had no choice but to accept the circumstance. What did progress look like in situations where really I, I wasn't the one in control? I wasn't the one that was going to make the final decision. I had to accept what was coming down the pike and go with it. I want to tell you a little story about that. Ah, water. Well, I think many of you uh, are aware that that because I am legally blind, that means there are, there are things I don't do. I'm not allowed. You can imagine I'm not allowed to have a driver's license. I would love to have a driver's license. I would adore a driver's license, but it's it's not the deal. No, not in this lifetime not with the technology we have, it's, it isn't happening. 54 years old, and as of right now, we're far, far, far 
from me having a driver's license. So I have to accept when I want to go from point A to point B, since I won't be driving, I need to accept alternative modes. One thing that has really served me because I need to be in acceptance is that as a passenger, I can take on roles that the driver can't, or at least shouldn't, because the driver's driving. So one thing that I can do is I can follow the map. I can, uh, now that we have GPS, I can read the directions. Uh, if, if we were sent uh, an invitation to a party that had the directions, I can read those to the driver. I can share often, often this is my saving grace, is that many times wherever I'm traveling to with another person is a place where I know my way around. I, I tend to care about that since I don't see everything. I study maps. I, I pay attention to where I am. One of the hardest things for me is to be in a place where there are no real street signs or the directions involve, you know, go to, uh, go to the corner store and hang a right. And once you pass two white picket fences, take a left. And then when you see the post office, go four houses beyond that, down the little road. Yeah, that just... That's really hard on me. It's much easier on me when there are the facts that most of us can follow because we're using a map or a GPS system or our, our own experience of taking the, the road most traveled before. So one day, just coming back to this notion of progress here, I, I noticed that straight out of my experience of being a non-driver, I, I have come comfortable with the idea that I get to say yes and I get to say no to who I ride with. For example, my brother is a very good driver. My boyfriend is also a very, very good driver. My, uh, my dear friend that I went to college with many years ago was a horrible driver. And I would often choose not to ride with her. But the nice thing was I had enough experience with my brother, with my boyfriend, that I knew they were very, very capable at the wheel. They were very able to allow me to feel safe. And if they needed me to read a map, I could. And we would work together. I would accept the circumstances and they would do their part as an excellent driver. But here's where it gets interesting. Sometimes... Sometimes we have to even go beyond what we trust in our own human capacity 
and what we trust in other humans. And we need to start to feel like a little progress is good. And what I find is if, if I'm not in a situation like driving where I need to be with another person, but I'm out in nature, what are some of the lessons of nature that are so consistent they help me trust more? Or what are some of the lessons if we're not going to look to nature, what are some of the lessons in terms of how we just relate to our own body that teach us we can trust? Like one thing I've learned about my body is I breathe whether I think about it or not. I have to have a, a terrible virus or, or, or be very, very ill to actually need to think about my breathing or like I was sharing with you earlier, I need to do something crazy like take up jogging (laughs) and then I'm thinking a lot about my breathing. But my body knows how to breathe and I've noticed in nature the same is true with animals. All these animals know how to breathe. When I was watching this eagle that we have, I was, I was focusing with the binoculars and trying to see, can I figure out how a bird breathes? I really can't. I was, I was noticing this bird's, you know, just majestic stature. And I was thinking, how does this eagle breathe? Obviously in a similar way that you and I do. But when I was trying to decipher, how does nature work for this eagle? How does this eagle breathe? I couldn't really figure it out by watching the eagle through the binoculars. Sometimes when we are leaning into what allows us to move forward and see and feel our progress, sometimes it's got to be beyond our habits. It's got to be beyond something that's tried and true that we've done several times. Sometimes it's got to be beyond the people that we trust to help us make things happen. I really think that Progress happens many, many times by nature. And if we study nature, we might figure it out, but we might not. We might actually have to start to trust that which is natural. It's natural for me to breathe. Is it possible that it could be natural for me to write. For example, if I'm feeling connected to myself and if I have some habits in in motion or not, if I'm hungry to write, is it at all possible 
that there's something natural in me that will do it. I want you to start to entertain the idea that there is, especially if you're someone who says, yeah, I do write. Yeah, I enjoy writing, even though I'm hung up on this project or that project. Start to notice those things that you just wrote, that you shared with someone, this just came to me. It's because you were trusting. You didn't even know you were trusting. Things were working out for you. You weren't in your own way. You weren't resisting. You weren't trying to practice the 20 rules people have told you. You were trusting. We talk a lot about this in my mastermind. It's something you can develop. You've developed it in other areas in your life. You can bring it to your writing. And it's going to show you that you have a certain magic key when it comes to making progress. We'll talk about this more in future shows. I hope this has served you. I want to thank you for joining me here at KKNW on Story You Talk Radio. And until next week, my friends, namaste. Namaste.